It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Do? Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Folks, your team oh. every day. Touchdown! You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Today on the show, we have Locked On NFL Drafts and the Draft Network's Trevor Sykema to talk about corners, to talk about offensive tackles, to talk about receivers, to talk about draft strategies, all kinds of stuff related to the Green Bay Packers, and it is all coming up in just a little bit. My friends over at Packer Report, Ross Uglum and Jake Morley, put together the relative athletic score shortlist. And I love this. Every year we look at it and we go, okay, uh, Green Bay is going to take three, four, five guys from this list in all likelihood. They just prioritize athletes. And Ross pointed out that in the, the 10 years since Goody became the director of college scouting and obviously the the three that he's been the GM, they've taken 10 receivers. Five have had an RAS of nine or better. And Jared Aberderis is the outlier. He's the, basically the only below average athlete they've ever drafted at that position. This is something that they care about especially at the premium positions, the priority positions, tackle, receiver, corner, edge. So what Jake Morley did is he said, all right, let me combine the RAS with age and then filter it by top 100 to put together the Packers types in the top 100. And he ranked them the high RAS guys plus low age guys. The reason you do that is because we have really good data that says the earlier you become an impact player in college, the more likely you are to become a, a, the the higher your ceiling potentially in the NFL and the more likely you are to be good in the NFL. If you walk into college, you're Rashad Bateman and you walk onto campus at Minnesota and you produce, you're probably going to become a good NFL player. Panay Sewell, as a teenager in the Pac-12, steps on the field and he's handling, you know, legit USC, UCLA dude athletes that they have out there. That stuff matters. So what does that list look like? Number one 
on the list. Number one, youngest prospect with the highest RAS in the top 100 is Northwestern cornerback Greg Newsom. Okay, this is the guy. This is Justin Jefferson this year. He's the guy that is the perfect fit that every Packer fan wants who goes 10 spots before Green Bay can pick. I mean, it just seems like that's probably going to happen. It, it it seems like he is now locked into that fourth corner spot. And if Green Bay wants him, they're going to have to get up, high, you know, high teens, low 20s to get him. That would be my guess. And this is where we, we thought Justin Jefferson sort of was in the same boat. You know, maybe you get lucky and he falls, but you were going to have to get lucky. I think we're now in the spot where the Packers are going to have to get lucky for Greg Newsom to fall. The next guy is is an interesting case for the Packers, Terrace Marshall. He's 20 years old. Both these guys are 20. And his RAS is 9.94 out of 10. Pretty decent. Greg Newsom is 9.95. Pretty close together. Now, Marshall is probably not going to help you right away. But the upside there, I mean, he could be a number one. And he's only 20. So I I don't think he's going to fall to Green Bay. I think he makes too much sense to a team like the Ravens, the team like the Saints who are picking in front of Green Bay. But that's just something to keep in mind. These next five names jump out. Number three on this list. Number three, Ifatu Melifanwu. He's 21 and has a 9.68 RAS. Remember, this is out of 10. He is... A upper, 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 upper echelon athlete, and he's only 21. That means he has room to grow. Ditto for Paulson Adebo from Stanford, 21 years old, and an RAS 947. Those guys do not look like first-round picks by projection. They are first-round talent. Adebo just below, I have him in that sort of you know 30s, early second kind of range. If you took him at 29, I'd understand because of what his upside says he can be, because what because what the flashes say he could be. The difference between those two players for me is Melifanu is more fluid. He is more consistent. They're both big guys who can tackle, who've got some stiffness in their hips. But Adebo tested even better with the agilities. In fact, he tested quite well with the agilities, which suggests he actually has more potential to tap in there. Then you've got Javon Holland, the safety corner hybrid, he's 21, RAS over nine. And I, I think from the from the perspective of the position that he plays, that's why that's why Jake has him over Rashad Bateman, who is a 9.57 RAS and 21. Any of these guys at 29 makes sense. Any of them. Holland, I have a little bit lower, you know, he's in the 30s, but early second round grade at 29, that's fine. Because remember, you you may not have 32 first-round guys. In fact, almost always you have fewer than that. I mean, it's usually 20, 22, maybe 24, 25 in a really good class. Then you usually get to those boomer bust type prospects. You know, the guys who have a very specific role that they could be great at, but probably never going to be a high-end, you know, Pro Bowl kind of player. That's your your late first, early second kind of pick, okay? So you're you're not worried at 29 about parsing that kind of stuff. This next group, maybe I should have included Sam Cosme in that. He's a a 9.99 RAS. He's 22. 
I think at 29, that's a bit of a reach, but because of the position he plays, and you'll hear um, Trevor in a little bit talk about why he thinks um, offensive tackle may be the play for the Packers because of what this class looks like. Um, I, I, I don't think anyone should be surprised if, if Cosme is the pick. After that, then it, it starts to get into type. And, and spot. So Eric Stokes is at eight. Um, a soup ultra elite athlete, 22. Just not not ready to do it. But if you could get him in the second round, great. Nico Collins, same kind of deal. Super elite athlete, 22 years old at Michigan. Uh, but just they had no idea what they were doing with him. So if you could get him at 62, that might be a little high. But if you could get him at 92... Now you really have something, but at the same time, at 62, you know that's a that's a similar spot to where I thought Donovan Peoples Jones should go, and he went in the fifth round. So maybe Nico Collins is going to fall. Very similar in terms of you know what they are as prospects. There's a group of of offensive linemen: Alex Leatherwood, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. Vera Tucker is gonna, probably going to go in the top 25. Um, Alex Leatherwood isn't interesting, uh, but Leatherwood. I don't I don't think that's where Green Bay is going to go at 32. But if he were to still be on the board somehow at 62, I think that would make a lot of sec- sense. An interesting name here, Amon Ross St. Brown, um, just tested outside the preferred uh, range for Green Bay in terms of 40 time. He's a little undersized, but the other numbers are really good. And he's 21. So that's great. Trayvon Merrig. An under nine RAS, but is 21. Diami Brown, an under nine, but you know, we're talking about eights, mid eights, and 21. And then there's a group of offensive linemen after that in that sort of day two range. Um, Spencer Brown from UNI, a 9.99 RAS, he's 23. Tevin Jenkins, a 9.85 RAS, he's 23. Dylan Radins, he's 23. Brady Christensen, he's 24, which is not great. And then the two corners on day two who are a little bit older, Aaron Robinson at UCF is 23, going to be 24. And Benjamin St. Just is going to be 24 as a rookie. So that's just a, a, a good indicator. They're going to pick one of those guys and, and maybe multiple of those guys. And it's not just because they have good RISs. They're projected in the top 100 for a reason. Those guys are good football players. And I've watched... Almost all of them I haven't gotten to St. Juice tape yet. Um, and who else? I haven't gotten to Alex Leatherwood's tape. But everyone else I've looked at or at least seen some of. Nico Collins, I got to do some more study on. Um, Brady Christensen, I've got to do some more study on. St. Brown, I've got to do a little more study on, although I've seen some of him. Basically, if you're picking off this list, I, I think you're doing well. I think you're doing well. And almost certainly, this is this is like your your cheat sheet. This is your crib sheet for the draft night. These are the guys that you're going to be crossing off. Okay, Craig Newsom goes. Okay, Terrace Marshall goes. And and you can basically just say, okay, who's the next guy on the list? That's the guy most likely to be picked by Green Bay. I mean, I, I really think in some ways it really is that easy. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. Buying car parts can be a major hassle. But it's something that we all have to do. Your car has issues, and so you got to get it fixed. So why not make the process of getting the parts that you need easy 
when it could be difficult. At rockauto.com, they are making it easy. This is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oils, and even new carpet. The catalog is unique and easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car, truck, and right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, a COVID outbreak in Houston, the Cheetah. The Browns make a major move signing Jadavion Clowney. And what does the new transfer rules mean for college athletics? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. All right, let's get to Trevor Sykema. You can follow him on Twitter at Tampa Bay Trey. He is the host of the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. He contributes over at the Draft Network. Trevor, thanks for coming back on Locked On Packers. It's great to have you. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Peter. So I've talked a lot, as you can imagine, about cornerbacks over the course of this offseason. And we're, we're, I'm not going to let you get out of here without without getting to that. But I want to start somewhere else, actually, because Brian Gutekunst said in an interview this week that he feels like corner and offensive tackle are both deep positions in this draft. And so I'm sort of interested. We talked about this yesterday a little bit about how you would game out how a team like Green Bay that has those sort of dual needs. And we can add some other ones in there should approach this class based on where you see you know, the sort of shape of it, the talent pools. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a great question. Actually, I was uh, talking about a, a familiar team for the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears, and there's someone in a similar situation. Like, they need offensive tackle and they need corner, and, and a lot of their fans are kind of wondering, when should we go after each? Because these are two needs that you want to hit during the draft, but, like, how does the class line up for the timing of when they could be picking? I would always tell you, just out of principle, if you need an offensive tackle, you've got to take them early. Like that's just what you have to do. The, the best offensive tackles in the NFL are uh, generally the ones who are picked higher because it is prioritized as a better position. But of course, shutdown corner means a lot as well. And we are seeing as this becomes an arms race in the NFL with who can get the most offensive weapons, you've got to be able to cover them. So that's not to say that corner is not important. But, you know, when you look at these two groups, they are pretty deep and I, and I like both of these groups when it comes to the first and second round if you get into like third fourth round for some of these corners all of a sudden you're you're talking about some real project guys but it's surprisingly deep in players that I would be comfortable playing as outsider inside corners really in their first season and that's just not often the case corner is such a difficult position to come in right away as a rookie and play well we talk about the top four guys right And when it comes to the Packers I'm sure that they love to get their hands on a Caleb Farley a Patrick Sertan JC Horn Greg Newsome those are the four but really it's just it feels like the only guy that might make it to the Packers at the end of the first round is Caleb Farley and that's just because of the back injury there but when you look at offensive tackle they already know that they're not going to get Penny Sewell and Rayshon Slater. That's probably not going to happen. But guys like Derisaw, Jenkins, maybe they fall a little bit. They're probably earlier first-round players. But then you got a handful of guys. Dylan Radens, Liam Eikenberg, 
Samuel Cosme, Alex Leatherwood, Braden Christensen. Like there's all of a sudden a lot of guys who I think you could be really happy with drafting at the back end of the first round. And yeah, I know that we're going to get more into corner because corner is just the topic that seems to be debated most when it comes to the Packers first round pick. But man, you could get a really nice offensive lineman here at the back end of the first round. If you waited until the second round, you're pressing your luck a little bit here just because I know the position is always more prioritized given how valuable it can be. Jackson Carmen, Spencer Brown, maybe Jalen Mayfield. Those guys I think are probably the ones that you're looking at when it comes to the back end of the second round. I've got a lot less confidence with those players than I do the ones that I previously named. If anybody might make it that far towards them at the back end of the second round, I mean, it might be an Alex Leatherwood, depending on how split the NFL is with him being an interior offensive lineman or an offensive tackle. But all that to say, when I look at this offensive tackle class, yes, it's deep. And I think that you're going to hear a lot of analysts talk about how nice it can be to get some of these offensive tackle guys later in the draft, at least than you would historically see. But I would still tell you, if you need one and you need one to kind of contribute for you early, your best bet is to probably take one early. Yeah, and something that I, that I don't think I have probably thought enough about in terms of the strategy part of this, you just sort of fall in love with some of these guys at the top. I mean, the physical tools of someone like Newsom, even even the the secondary, you know, that next tier down after the Farleys and the Newsoms with Melifonwu and Paulson Adebo and Eric Stokes. I mean, those guys are are incredibly physically gifted. Is the the spot that Green Bay has a hole really is that second boundary corner spot. But that's a second corner. And, you know, if you look at, you know, the data that Pro Football Focus has accumulated over the years, they they have this, you know, sort of idea that secondary is a, a weak, a weak link position where you just don't want to have bad players. So maybe, maybe you could say, hey, on day two, if we can get Paulson Adebo or Ifatu Melifanwu, that's actually a better use of our resources because we're talking about a cornerback two, because we have the cornerback one. Yeah, I think that that's, I mean, that's certainly, you could look at it that way. You talking about CB2 versus It's hard, C- right? <laughs> well, you, you know, you talking about CB2 versus CB1, I'm thinking in my head right now, like, like I love Jair. Like, Jair is a fantastic cornerback, and you can use him all over the field. But at the same time, you're looking at so many different teams in the NFL that are not just trying to have two really great receivers, but also three great wide receivers and two great tight ends. And now all of a sudden, like you've got to have four good coverage players at a minimum, at a minimum. So I, I, I agree with the sentiment that you, you just have to continually upgrade your secondary. You have to get guys that are not, not players that are going to leave you vulnerable there. I, I'm, I'm not to the point where I know some guys over pro football focus, and I love those guys, but you know they've talked about the, the pass coverage versus pass rush debate. I'm not mm-hmm. quite there on the pass coverage is more important than, uh, than pass rushing, but there's no doubt about it that this is a evolving league, and the defensive side of the ball is often the reactionary side of the ball. They look at what offenses are doing and find the best ways to counter it. And I think that we are in a point where there are so many teams going out trying to just build the best pass arsenals that they possibly can. And sometimes that comes with three wide receivers deep and a star tight end or two wide receivers and two tight ends or whatever it is. You just have to have the coverage players who are comfortable and flexible enough to be able to go up against a lot of different teams in the NFL. And so 
I don't know. I don't know so much as I would view it as don't the Packers don't need to draft a corner in round one because it's just cornerback two. I would simply tell you that if you're deciding between offensive line and corner, I would lean more towards offensive line in the first round if you believe that those needs were of similar importance simply because of the value of the position and because I do think that in this class, the couple of names that you had there, and I'd throw Asante Samuel's name in there, Asante Samuel Jr.'s name in there as well, though you know there's some height thresholds that, that some of the uh, sticklers might not have him on the board there, but <laughs> these are all corners that I think that you could throw out there and be great as just whatever you want to call it, whether it's CB2, CB1, CB3, I don't care. They're out there covering a really important player every single week. Yeah, and and maybe, you know, I'm just sort of thinking through this as we're talking about this, but maybe we should be viewing cornerback two the same way we view right tackle versus left tackle. Like in the modern NFL, you need to have two tackles who can pass block or you are just boned. And it's probably the same thing with corner. You need to have two probably three corners who can cover and at least one safety who can cover, you're going to be in big trouble in all likelihood. You mentioned something fascinating, and this is actually what I really wanted to focus on today. And and yet here we are eight minutes in and we talked a lot about corner and offensive tackle, (laughs) but this idea of building the best offense that you can build, the Packers had the best offense by a lot of statistical measures last year. And they, they took this huge step forward without adding any pass catching talent. As you look at this draft, though, there are some guys first round, second round, even third, fourth round that could come in and give the Packers a little bit different kind of look. I'm going to ask it to you this way, because I asked I asked Paige about this and she gave me Kyle Pitts as an answer. But give me something in a in a reasonable sense as someone who pays very close attention to that team down in Tampa, who is the, the skill player? that the Packers could conceivably add that would make, let's say, the Buccaneers most go, oh, shit. Yeah, right. So, you know, that, uh, that's got to be the question now because it, it, you it, you look at it and you think, okay, these are two of, if not the two top teams in the NFC. And so if you want to make it to the Super Bowl again, you're probably going to have to go through one of, if not both, Tampa and the Seattle Seahawks. And if the Seattle Seahawks, we've seen Russell Wilson really be able to put up some points as well. They've got to continue to have their foot on the gas. And I thought the Packers had a really great year scoring points, obviously made it to the NFC Championship game. But getting there and having to outduel that offense again this year, it's going to take a lot. The player that would probably scare me the most is if you get the most out of a guy like Rondale Moore. Because when I look at mm. the Green Bay Packers, I look at an offense with Devontae Adams, who is truly one of the best wide receivers in the game of football. He can do whatever you want. You've got Alan Lazard, who can be a big-bodied X kind of receiver, who also gives you some plus stuff deep down the field. Ekaminius St. Brown's a field stretcher. Marquez Valdez-Scantling can stretch a field as well. Robert Tunyon in the middle really came on, but he was another. He was a guy who I felt like could give them big plays. I would love to see Green Bay complement their offense a little bit more with a guy who could be a little bit of a quick hit. Like you don't have to pass protect for five seconds and then launch the ball deep down the field. Call the hike, give him a slant, get him in space, hit him with a dig route, a mesh concept, throw Rondale Moore in there, just dump the ball off to him and watch him work because that then forces the set, the defense to be so disciplined, right? Because I think that that's something that is not often talked about when it comes to the guys who are really great when you get the ball in their hands early. Jalen Waddell, Rondale Moore, 
Uh, Elijah Moore is like this as well. These uh, Amari Rogers is another player in this class where when you throw the ball to them, you then demand that the defense beyond their discipline on their P's and Q's to come up and tackle you. They've got to wrap up. They've got to get multiple bodies there. They've got to handle all of the players who might be in space to block. Like all of these things then have to happen when you can have a player who you trust to pick up a lot of yards after the catch in quick formats. Then all of a sudden you force a defense to be absolutely as disciplined as they could possibly be. That's a big thing that I just don't see with the Packers right now. Their offense is fantastic. They've got great receiving weapons and clearly Aaron Rodgers is thriving with them. But they don't have that part of their game, I believe, outside of at least Devontae Adams who can really do it all for you. So the player and the most realistic player for me for the Packers that if your Tampa would really scare you, is a guy like Rondale Moore. You put him out at the boundary. You could get him on screens. You can get him over the middle. And all of a sudden, you're forcing a slot cornerback or maybe a strong safety coming down or a linebacker even to keep their eyes on him and even keep up with what Moore might be able to do. And we've seen how great he is at breaking tackles and how he can put his foot in the ground and just get upfield. That's the dude, honestly, because of that archetype, that's what scares me the most. Yeah, this is a Packers team that over the last two seasons has run, depending on the charting that you look at, either the most or one of the like five most RPOs in the league. And yet they don't have that guy. You look at a lot of the RPO concepts that they run in college and even in the NFL, it's it, it's that zone give or a screen or the zone give or the slant. And they don't have really beyond Devontae Adams guys that are going to consistently create in those situations. If you get right. someone like Rondell Moore all of a sudden, all of that changes. You look at what Kyle Shanahan can do with um, with Debo Samuel or what the Rams can do with yes. Robert Woods. Green Bay doesn't really have that sort of player. So this brings me back to the, the same point about corners and offensive tackles is if you look in the middle of the draft, you you, you know you mentioned Amari Rodgers. I look at some other guys, D. Eskridge or even Jalen Darden, some of these guys who you might be able to get in the third or fourth round. Do you have to prioritize it? Do you have to get... The, the turbo version of that in Rondell Moore, could you wait and say, you know, the third, fourth round and say, hey, we think these guys, if what we're asking them is really to do this sort of hyper specific thing, doesn't it make sense to wait? I don't I don't have a good answer. I'm just sort of throwing it at you to, to as, as a thought exercise here. Yeah, no, I think that you could definitely wait on this one. Like if you wanted to get Amari Rodgers, and this is kind of the role that he is able to fill. That's what he was able to do a lot at Clemson, getting the ball in his hands early and him giving you yards after the catch. I think he's a great player for it. Dwayne Eskridge is a guy who I, I liked a lot more than I thought I was going to on tape. I mean, he was just this Western Michigan product. And I was like, all right, it's a really good wide receiver class. He'll probably be middle of the pack. I think he ended up being wide receiver seven for me. He's wow. got a defensive back background. He's got a lot of skill to him. He's still learning the wide receiver position but he's got that explosiveness like he's springy he's got the juice in him so he'll put his foot in the ground and he can get up and go and that's the kind of skill set that you would want from a player that hey get the ball in his hands early and let him make magic with it um you mentioned Jalen Darden again the wide receiver from North Texas he's a guy who a lot of his stuff came after the catch so he was able to do that very well Tutu Atwell is the smaller wide receiver from Louisville. I'm just not the biggest Tutu Atwell fan. He's about five foot nine, 160 pounds. He's just a little dude. He's electric. I mean, like he's he's kind of a, a jitterbug, but I, I don't know how well he's going to handle or he's going to handle physicality in the NFL. I don't know how open he's still going to be able to be, but that's another guy that I might take a flyer on in kind of the middle rounds. I'm scrolling a little bit on our wide receiver database to make sure I'm not missing anybody. Shy Smith, maybe another player who I think has some juice in him. He's a guy who 
I think he was really held back by the, uh, the, the quarterback play at South Carolina over the last couple of years. But no, to answer your, ultimately answer your question, you don't need to pick Rondale Moore at 29 if you want to fill that role. You can wait a little bit, third, fourth round, something like that, see and make something happen for you in the mid-rounds. But I think Rondale Moore does it better than any of those other guys. And so if that's really valuable to you, if that's what you think could take you over the top, for a team that's clearly in a winning window, maybe you think about doing that. In, in sort of that same vein, as we wrap up here, I have this type that every year I sort of fall in love with a handful of these kinds of guys, these like pass catching running backs who you could play in the slot or, and you can use as jet motion guys and end around and just sort of play a little bit of everywhere, but they're not going to carry the load for you. You know, in the NFL, you think of someone like James White, maybe, and, and maybe that's that's even um, selling some of these guys a little bit short in terms of what they can do. I'm thinking about Kenneth Gainwell, Demetric Felton, JV and Hawkins, these guys who are not going to be your lead backs. They're not going to be traditional receivers, but could just come in and be a sort of weapon for you. I, and, I, and I'm right like once every five years, like they, <laughs> they don't end up hitting very often. I just sort of get infatuated with the idea of them. Do you have any of those kinds of guys? Because I think Green Bay could be interested in a player like that on day three. Do you have any of those guys that you really like? You mentioned Kenneth Gainwell, and I mean, he would be the first kind of player that I would mention in a role like you are saying here, because I, I really liked how comfortable Kenny Gainwell was as a receiver out of the backfield. I think that that gives you a lot of flexibility in the passing game to play him on passing down situations, especially on third down. I think he's a guy who he reads zone blocking schemes really well. So if you're going to run outside inside zone quite a bit, he understands when to put his foot in the ground, when to cut it back, when to hit the hole, go up to the head, the offensive guards outside hip, you know, see the running lanes before they open up. I think that Gainwell is fantastic at that. And so of that mold, I would love a player like Kenny Gainwell. Now you talked about you being right once every five years. Well, landing spot matters a lot too, because the creativity of these coaching staffs and these offensive coordinators, mm. and maybe more than that, just the willingness to perhaps put aside or modify a game plan of their own just because a guy's just has got a special skill set to him. That's really, really important. I think that that often goes just as far as the rare skill sets in these guys achieving their potential. So I would tell you that I'm really, I'm, I'm bigger on Kenny Gainwell than I think a lot of other people. And I think it's for that reason. This is awesome. We could, I could talk about this all day. Um, I know you got a bunch of stuff going on, a lot of content that you're creating. So uh, let my audience know where they can find all of that stuff, including on the Locked On Podcast Network, of course. Yeah. Yeah, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, that's the best way to see everything that I'm doing at Tampa Bay Trey. But we're running through our guest mock draft series here on the Locked On NFL Draft. My co-host and I, Benjamin Solak, we're what we're doing is we're having a either beat reporter or just someone who follows a team very closely come on in draft order to tell us about the team who they might pick, some tendencies, some roster breakdowns. We started with Jacksonville at number one, and we're going to end with the Buccaneers at 32. And so we're running through a full first-round mock draft, coming into the second half of that right now. And then, of course, if you guys are itching for more draft content, we got plenty of it over at thedraftnetwork.com. You can see all the prospect rankings. We've got prospect profiles for over 400 players, trait-by-trait mm. breakdowns, exactly what they're good at. And then if you love reading mock drafts, if you want to give it a shot yourself, we got a full mock draft machine where you can make it happen rounds one through seven. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks, Trevor. Anytime, Peter. 
All right, great to talk to Trevor. Um, the guy is is awesome. Just knows his stuff cold, and it's it's just great to listen to talk ball. I think he's he's really smart and and I think highly logical about this stuff. And I think sometimes. It's easy to get in the weeds and you lose the logic part of this. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, they're all in full swing, no pun intended. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Bet Online has you covered with all the news, scores, and odds, plus up to date props on almost anything you can imagine. Go to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your. Your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on. That's right. You put money in, use the promo code locked on, and they will give you money just for being a locked on listener. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Last show of the week. Send me your questions. We're going to do another mailbag edition of Locked on Packers. So send me all of those questions. Send them to me on Twitter. Send them to me on the Locked on Packers fan hotline. Send them to me in DM. Whatever you want to do, however you want to send them to me, just send them and we will get them answered tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers at any time. You want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, send us a question, anything like that, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.